Hi, and welcome to Shitty Book Reports, where the reports are shitty, but the books are not. I'm Mark. I'm here with Trevor. How are you feeling tonight, Trevor? Uh, I feel like I'm still in my early life. How do you feel? I feel like uh, I feel like a Capri Sun, kind of, because uh, mm, silvery well, I... and pouch-like. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I um, well, I donated blood like two weeks ago today. Ooh. So I wrote that down two weeks ago when I, when I did it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? They, they, uh, they, they messed me up somehow. Like I still have a bruise. Ooh, so I think no, I got, no, no, I think no, my, no. yeah, I think my vein got speared. No, this could not be done by Trevor. <laughs> I actually have to like, uh, I, I'm one of those people that has like the biological reaction that like I faint. Oh like, yeah, I, yeah. I just faint. So I have to tell people all like donating blood, it just always has seemed too risky because like it's like kind of like it's like a five percent more casual environment right of like we're just gonna like you know they have like drives and stuff and whatever yeah yeah but it's like when i'm at the doctor's office i'm like i brought my juice i brought my <laughs> <laughs> cookies and you have to let me sit down for like 20 minutes after <laughs> oh yeah i house some cookies there and some gatorade but um nice I was I was so tired the uh, the day of like because right, we did it in the morning and yeah the, the day of tired blood what no 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 I was <laughs> tired after the fact man uh, it wipes you out yeah I like napped the whole rest of the day nice. super wiped out but yeah I felt like a Capri Sun that you kind of like maybe a little kid just kind of like jabs at a bunch of times and can't get the uh, can't Ooh. get the straw hole yeah. <laughs> he's torn up yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> Definitely put me off blood drives. Yeah. I guess there's a special type of needle you can request called a like a butterfly there's, needle. That, yeah, a butterfly they, needle they, is for kids. Yep, yep. Although I'm pretty sure a butterfly needle is like some sort of illusion for people like me because one time I went to a doc <laughs> one time I went to a doctor and I was like, Can I please have the butterfly needle like the like the kids needle? Because I do like faint and stuff. And he was like kind of like a cynic and he was like, you know it's the same size. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you're breaking the illusion. Yeah. <laughs> like it's all about placebo. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> that's awesome. Great I'm guy. sure there's a lot, a lot of stuff like that, where it's like, uh, it's actually not the, uh, yeah. the childish version or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, uh, last it's been a little bit. Last time we talked, I was about to go to a book fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why you have an intro. I was like, I don't know what your yeah. intro is, but yeah, you went to a COVID book fair in which you had only thirty minutes to peruse the stacks. Yeah, you got me prepped for that, and uh, How did it so go? I got a I got a stack of books here. It was good. I found I found a lot of stuff. Uh, the I I actually I went to the literature section first because that's the one I missed out last year. Right. Because I didn't know it and was did a they se keep it, separate it, thing. Did they keep it in the same place? No, no, it's a different different layout, different building. It's in like Dude, a they threw you off. This is... Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was good. I came away with a good haul. Filled up a. Uh, like reusable shopping bag. Nice. So I got a stack here. Let's see how many I got. Six, seven, eight, 10, 11, 
15 books I got, or 15 plus the one that I'm going to cover today. Dang, 16 yeah. books. <laughs> the disease is strong with this one. Yeah, but it was it was half off because my sister was with me and she's uh like if you're if you have a .edu email cuz she's a, a teacher that like um you can you you know, they gave a half off to all teachers pretty much. So Game in the system. Yep, played it. So <laughs> here we go. Let's let's see the first one here. You'll like this one. I got South and West by Joan Didion. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'll probably be. I haven't read that one, but hell yeah. So this is where this is going to be like. This is going to be like spoilers for the podcast one year from now or something. Like yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. Whenever I get around to this, so yeah, they're all library books. But so this one is from 2017. It's uh, South and West, and the subtitle is From a Notebook. So it says, from one of our most celebrated writers, here are two ex excerpts from one of her never-before-seen notebooks. Oh. Joan Didion has always kept notebooks of overheard dialogue, observations, interviews, drafts of essays, and copies of articles. Hmm, cool. So this will be my first Didion. I'm sure, like, I mean, God forbid, but, like, when she dies, we'll probably get some, like, massive, like, omnibus of, like, you know, like, you know how they have, like, Kurt Cobain's journals? Yeah, yeah. Once, once someone's dead, you don't really, like, honor their <laughs> privacy. No, you gotta have, like, a... Uh... It's like, my favorite book is Mark Twain's Love Letters. Yeah, you, what do you call it? <laughs> you, need a, you need a dead man switch for all your, like, embarrassing writing or, like, personal yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's time to have it all destroyed. That for a werewolf novel. Yeah. So right, next, next one. one, next one I've got is The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's got a sweet cover. It's got like the sci-fi cover, but then it's got a picture of Ray Bradbury like in front of it. Bradbury's so he's, like, Fahrenheit 451, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's got like this fantasy drawn on like a Mars type planet. I mean, that makes sense. Martian Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Uh. But then he's looking all cool with swoopy hair and glasses on the cover, like also drawing. Nice. Damn. And then on the back, it's the same picture of him looking cool, but in front of like an even more demonic depiction of Mars with like, <laughs> I see like a T-Rex, a giant skull that's the same size as the T-Rex, a bat, uh, looks like a lava fish. Something. And uh... <laughs> book cover inception. Yeah. So the back of this says a skillful blending of fancy and satire, terror and tenderness, wonder and contempt by the author of the illustrated man. Hmm, cool. About maybe, the colonization if, of Mars. If they said by the author, author of the illustrated man, that's probably pre Fahrenheit 451. Cause every book after that, right. Would be like from the writer of Fahrenheit 451. I mean, I don't know. This is uh 1950. 1950. I'll yep. look up Fahrenheit 451. Let's see. 53. Okay, that makes sense. So. Yep. so yeah, this one looks cool. It's it's not too big. Cool. That was one of the things I kind of <laughs> picked up uh, on. Like that has value. It has that value. Podcast. That value has increased since the beginning of the podcast. Like oh, totally. A short book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Anything 100, 100 to 200, sweet spot. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the podcast honestly has probably like pushed us farther away from our early days of like, I want to read this postmodern masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Next one I've got is P.D. James, The Skull Beneath the Skin. Damn, that's creepy. Uh, and I picked this one because it was in literature and it sounded cool, but also Skull Beneath the Skin, I think is like a Megadeth song or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Megadeth song on their like first album. Audiobook narrated by Dave Mustaine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actress Clarissa Lysel has always been famous for her ravishing beauty and her unscrupulous manipulations. Now on the death shrouded island of Corsi, her schemes win her a starring role in a nightmare in which she can trust no one. Oh, uh so it says in the back demonstrates why pd james deserves her reputation as the reigning queen of crime queen i didn't even know i yeah gender assumed pd Mm -hmm. pd not like pete (laughs) p dot d dot i don't know something about the skull between the skin also brings me into that fainting needles category it's like gross ew (laughs) The skull beneath the skin. Blech. Yeah. Uh, normally, I would like bring up an audio clip of, of the Megadeth song, but I, I neglected <laughs> to load it beforehand. Next one, we've got Coming of Age in Samoa by Margaret Mead. Huh, okay. A psychological study of youth in a primitive society is today recognized as a scientific classic. Oh, Dr. Dr. Mead. Yeah, Dr. Mead, Dr. Margaret Mead. So she was a professional anthropologist. Damn. So this one sounds cool. Next one, uh, a novel by Elmore Leonard. Name you always hear. Is is that uh, the real name of Spock? No. <laughs> Who played Spock? Who played Spock? You're gonna have to look that up. I think it's uh, Leonard Nimoy. No, that's Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. I was like, you gotta book my Spock. <laughs> oh wait, who's Elmore Leonard? We've talked about him before. Yeah, um, I think he was like pretty well listed on Art Garfunkel's in our Art Garfunkel's library. Oh, everyone's listed in. Art Garfunkel's library. Yeah, I mean, I think I always mix him up with uh, who was the guy who wrote Hallelujah? <laughs> oh. Damn, I'm blanking. But know. this is called Bandits by Elmore Leonard. Okay. Uh, you know, he he's had a long career, and it says he's written more than forty books, highly successful writing career. Many of his novels have been made into movies. Yeah, a lot of his novels have been made into movies. Who was that guy who wrote that weird book, Dog of the South? That's not him, right? No, no, no. Uh, damn. How are you going to put me on the spot like this? This is something I, I should I'm know. Like obviously he, he, sitting in front of Wikipedia. He, he passed away last year. That book is weird. Dog of the South. Oh, you should read uh, Masters oh, of Atlantis instead. Oh, I should have. Portis. Portis. Damn. All right, these people who, who have nothing Hallelujah. to do with each other. We're, we're, we're going in down a literary rabbit hole. Next. Okay, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> who, wrote, who wrote Hallelujah? Hallelujah? The song. Leonard Cohen. Oh, 
El- Elmore. Elmore Leonard, Leonard Cohen. Uh, Leonard and, and then Leonard Nimoy, yeah. So we're all mixed up. The Leonards. All right, next one uh, is The Ultimate Good Luck by Richard Ford. Okay, The Ultimate Good Luck. And so I picked, uh, I got another one here. I'm going to do two for one. Uh, so Richard Ford, The Ultimate Good Luck um, by the author of The Sports Writer. I have no idea. Uh, it's, it says, The Ultimate Good Luck is a portrait of Quinn, a Vietnam vet whose alienation from the past and dislocation from the future renders him incapable of emotional commitment beyond the here and now. And then I got another one. Uh, That's like kind of a good like back of a book because it doesn't spoil everything. Yeah. Like that one, uh, and, the skull beneath the skin thing, it's like, that was probably like described like up to page 200. Yeah. <laughs> I know she's already like on the island and she can't trust anyone. Uh, so the reason I picked these two I think I talked about this on a much earlier podcast that uh, Vin, like um, a series of reprints by vintage books. Mm-hmm. They have a series called Vintage Contemporaries mm-hmm. where they have these really wacky covers. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's like an 80s thing. Yeah. So the, one of this, one, this one's 1986. And the other one I got is The Bushwhacked Piano by Thomas McGuane. I think that's also 80s, but like I like vintage and I wanted to get some of these because the the covers are ridiculous. If you just look up vintage contemporaries book covers, I think I talked about this. There's one, this one's not too crazy. It's got a scorpion like in someone's room, uh, just chilling out on the tile. And then there's another one where it's like a 50s style car uh, that just was like jumping into the Sahara Desert. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I've seen these. I've seen yeah, them. yeah. They're uh, they're pretty wild. Next one I've got is Bachan by Natsume uh, Soseki. Okay. Uh, and it just says on the back, Soseki is unquestionably one of Japan's greatest modern novelists, and the easiest approach to his work is through his delightful early satire. Weird. Natsume Soseki. Did I do ever read him? I don't know. I just I had to pick this one up. It looked cool. They, I'm it's gotta... supposed to read Japanese novels. <laughs> I'm going to beat you to it with this one. Yeah, I've heard of this guy. I've definitely seen this picture. I've definitely heard of his, like his, one of his early books is called I Am a Cat, which is yeah. like super Murakami, you know? Yeah. Uh, the other, it doesn't say anything about the book on the back, which I appreciated. Um, oh yeah, man. That's like to go oh soseki one of japan's most acclaimed and beloved writers was born in tokyo in 1867 so he was uh uh, very early Mm. yeah um i am a cat bachan and the three-cornered world yeah and this was this was all before 1910 because he died in 1916 so this will be a cool one yeah this one might might come sooner rather than later cool uh, next one, this is a book you've probably heard of and a lot of people have heard of, and it's one of those ones that's supposed to be very good, uh, The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. I've read it. Oh, is it worth it? Yeah, it I had to read it for, I read it in my East Asian literature class in okay. school, uh, in college. Yeah, it's good. She's good. Uh, she's also a really interesting person just to like, once she's on your radar and you get the vibes, she's like, you know, she's very like 
politically outspoken about cool indie uh, issues relating to like Indian politics and and basically like world culture. She's kind of just like a like a badass, really. That's cool. Uh, we like our Booker Prize winners here, and she's another one. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, next one I got, I know damn well that you've read, unless you're a, a big fat liar. Uh, mm-hmm. The Remains of the Day by Kazu oh, yeah. Ishiguro. Finally was able to pick this one up for cheap. Oh, yeah, that one's real good. Yeah. I have, it's not like the best version. It's uh, just got a, like a pocket watch on the, on the cover. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's cool though. I want to read it. As long as now it's I not have, abridged, bro. Now I have it. It's, I hope it's not. How do I know? It'll just say abridged. <laughs> good, because it's 250 pages. No, it's not abridged. All right. Next one I got. Uh, a second novel from one that I have read. Okay. And I'm blanking on the name now, but uh, Graham Greene. I read a novel by Graham Greene. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is Our Man in Havana. Interesting. Sounds like Cold War shit. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, maybe he just means our man in sandals. Yeah. Let me see. Wait. Uh, it doesn't matter. The power and the glory. That's the one I read. Uh, okay. Yeah. And that one was pretty good. So I wanted to check out our man in Havana. Nice. It's got an interesting like 70s cover. A lot of yellows and dark oranges. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, here's another one that came from a metal band reference. Nice. Uh, Dude, metal band references get <laughs> get you into literature. Yeah, yeah. So this is Iron Maiden. Nice. Uh, the Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Cool. And if I was on my shit, I would also have that sound clip. But you can just... We'll put it in and post. But you're a uh, disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> By a- Alan Silito. Mm, don't, don't know anything about it but the loneliness of the long distance runner that's part that's in that's the it. uh in the rush documentary that you remember sebastian bach from i think he was in like poison or something skid, no skid row. skid row yeah so he was yeah he has an interview in the rush documentary he's talking about how 2112 got him to go read like ayn rand yeah, yeah. he's like why is this <laughs> band like getting me fired up about literature <laughs> uh a rebellious youth whose running becomes a metaphor for his refusal to bow to societal rules. It's an English novel. That makes sense because uh, Iron Maiden, English band. Uh, next one. The House Gun by Nadine Gordimer, winner of the Nobel Prize in Literature. The House Gun. A house gun kept like a house cat. A fact of ordinary life at the end of this century where violence is in the air. So a house gun. It's like it's like the checkoff thing. It's gonna get used. You know damn well. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Have you read you haven't read 1Q84 by Murakami? No. Yeah, that's is there a, is, there's a gun that just doesn't yeah, he, well, it's like he on the it's like an on the nose literary reference where he oh. he directly talks about you know like the gun theory and how it will be used and then yeah he carries that gun like through your expectations for like a thousand plus pages and, and <laughs> it's then, just a a paperweight yeah and it doesn't get used yeah 
All right. Uh, next one. We're getting to the end here. Uh, Laughing Boy by Oliver Oliver Lafarge. Interesting. Never heard and of a, it. An American classic, the greatest novel yet written about the original American. Wow, an American classic. <laughs> Never heard of its author or it. <laughs> uh, let's see when this was. Uh, it's 1929. Hmm. Um, and it's about the Navajo. Oh, cool. Tribe. So Navajo Indians. So I was going to challenge the notion of it being about the original America, but if it's about the Navajos, then I guess it is. <laughs> yeah. I thought it, just, it was going to uh, be like about the original America back when women couldn't vote. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. So, wait, look at the back of this. This is, this is um, from Hewton Mifflin, and it's a, a century edition fiction book. And it says there are books of lifetime interest intended not for casual reading, but for life on the shelf as well as in the hand. They are printed on paper of good quality in a binding that has the durability of cloth, but the price and compactness of paper. And I've never seen the back of a book talk. I've never seen the back of a book talk strictly about like the binding, the rather than rather than anything else about the book. And how I mean, do you feel? It, does it feel like a powerful book? It feels like, um, yeah, like you know the the front and back cover and the binding. It's like this woven material that feels kind of like an awning. You know, like that kind of woven, like waterproof. I bet you this book is waterproof. Don't test. It. <laughs> I'm not going to test it. No. <laughs> Have you ever dropped a book in like an intense amount of water? It's pretty crazy. Uh, I think I've done that. Yeah, yeah. With like a, uh, I think one of my King books got destroyed. Yeah, they ex they expand like yeah. Crazy. It's like if you dip it in. The, I think I dipped a book in the ocean once or something, and it was <laughs> it was bad news. Yeah, it's game over at that point. Uh, last one I got here before I get to the one I actually covered today. Okay. Um, uh, the author not important here, but classics to read aloud to your children. Oh, that's pretty good. So yeah, it's a it's a hardcover. I haven't opened it yet, but let's see what what classics they're talking about. It's just like a list type book of like this is. It's just a no, no. It's got the all the stories in it. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty big hardcover. So we got. Oh, cool! It even goes by like listening level. Oh. Listening level one. We got the Ugly Duckling, by Hans Christian Andersen. Did not know that was by Hans Christian Andersen, but. That guy's has a lot of stories. Prolific. Got some Aesop's Fables, uh, Black Beauty, Robin Hood, King Arthur. Oh, it's got a it's got an excerpt from Don Quixote. Oh, and it's cool. and a little bit from the Odyssey, Odyssey and the Cyclops. Ooh, bake it in. Listening level two. We got some Mark Twain. Odyssey and the Cyclops is listening level one. <laughs> what yeah did they stop before like they <laughs> i don't know before it gets violent or or whatnot or i, I mean know. it's probably just it's probably just the conversation like about nobody or whatever yeah nobody, um nobody's here whatever. yeah uh so listening level two this is ages eight and up we got some mark twain some oh henry rip van winkle mm -hmm. uh damn listening level three Red Badge of Courage, some uh, uh, some Sherlock Holmes, Call of the Wild, a little bit of poetry, mm -hmm. some Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, 
Rudyard Kipling. Mm. Uh, I think and I'm, some... I think I'm listening level three. So yeah, <laughs> dude, you're ages eleven and up, dude, technically. So yeah, this will be cool. It's I think it's like just small sections from classics to uh, be like a little bit more digestible. Because my daughter right now, you cannot, you can't read her anything. She just like wants to rip the pages off and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's about to end. They do like like yeah. My niece and nephew. It's like story time all the time. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Looks, She's looks just close. not not captivated yet. It's more about like the physical object. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my haul. I got I got some. How do you think I did? Pretty good. Pretty good. I got some diverse stuff. I think. And I mean, thirty minutes. That... that means a book every two minutes. You made a book decision every two minutes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> my analytics. That that's uh so what do I get for a grade? A, a B solid B. No, Ooh, an A plus. Oh, okay, nice. 16 book haul. That's pretty good. Yeah. And uh so are you ready to hear the last one? I'm ready. The uh it's one of the best selling books of all time, actually. Mark read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of like a watered down version almost. <laughs> like, uh, have you heard of The Prophet no. by Khalil Gibran? No. 1923. Um, it's Gibran's masterpiece, but you don't know what that means yet. So I have no idea what that means. <laughs> so he was, he was like, uh, well, first, let me talk about this book first before I get into to him. Uh, so because this was like a used book sale, I get, you know, sometimes there's like writing inside the pages and sometimes, you know, sometimes they're library books. It's got the card in it and stuff, but this one's unique. This one was, was definitely a gift, you know, cause it's got one of those personalized messages in the front cover. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you own any of those where it's like, this was someone's like birthday gift or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a few books where it's like to Lisa Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah whatever. Thanks Lisa. Yeah. I've got a few of them. Uh, so this one says on the inside, April no 19th. one's getting my books until they, until I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. You're going to write inside. Like if you're reading this, look behind <laughs> you or whatever. Uh, so April, 1998. To my dearest friend, Annie, may you find happiness and contentment in your journey together. Love, your friend always, Trish. Nice. And so this, uh, this is another cool thing about this that I, I don't know what you think about this. Um, do you know, like, those embossing paper press things that you can get for your books to, like, make it? you know, part of your library, yeah, like the it, library of Mark Gagne. Yeah. Yeah. So this is library of Annie Stoker. Uh, AS. Interesting. I don't know. Would you get one of those? I don't know about the embossing. I think like an ink stamp is decent. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have like big fantasies about my future li <laughs> libraries and how important they will be to myself and others but oh it's so all far, about the the sliding ladder the sliding ladder yeah yeah the study 
It would be cool. To, I mean, I mean, like that's the thing, though. That I mean, that's why this podcast exists, right? Because no one really, even people who are deep readers, like don't even talk to each other about it. It's like the fantasy of like I have a fantasy of like oh, I have this huge like library, and my friends borrow books and they like sign them out, and like whatever, and it's like <laughs> that's never gonna happen. That's yeah. <laughs> I know we got to stoke the those uh, flames of reading <laughs> interests again. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about the, uh, oh God, blanking on the, the word, but yeah. Oh, monogram, monogram, no monogram just reminds me of the, uh, the, uh, the lands and, or no Jansport backpacks that That all the kids had. Yeah. Yeah. So your name in. Yeah. I don't know. And it's like, yeah, I guess, I guess that would be the purpose, like to have your thing. Like if it somehow escapes your library or like someone borrows it or whatever i guess that's yeah, please return the main to. purpose yeah but anyways let me uh introduce you to khalil gibran he he was uh how is 11... this one of the most sold books of all time i'm never you'll see of this book. <laughs> uh so he's a lebanese american artist mm-hmm. and he's one of those i say artists because he's one of those annoying kind of multi-talented people so he was a poet he was a visual artist like uh and yeah he was a novelist but for example like this this book the prophet it includes a bunch of full page drawings from him hmm. uh which are really good uh they accompany the book really well and i mean he's just a really good artist and but this is one of those books it's kind of like like Siddhartha or the alchemist that I covered earlier, where it's like something you would give to someone for graduation or like a wedding gift kind of thing. Uh, and that's what it looked like was given to Annie by her, her friend Trish. Uh, so it's, it's like a, it's just kind of a spiritual book filled with wisdom about all the salient life topics. Mm-hmm. And so the way it's set up uh and I think the reason why it's such a uh, best-selling novel is because it's translated so many languages and it's kind of one of those easy to digest, um, inspirational kind of uh, books. But so the way it's set up is the uh, titular prophet, uh, his name is Al-Mustafa. He's lived in the city of Orphalese for a long time. But he's about to board a ship, which will carry him away to his home country. But before he boards the ship, he's stopped by a crowd of people who ask him for like a final word on a bunch of different life topics. Like they just want to get his like his last viewpoint on on everything. So mm-hmm. let me just run through the table of contents. You'll see it's it's one of those things like it can it covers all the stuff that uh, you can think about really. On love, on marriage, on children, on giving, on eating and drinking, on work, on joy and sorrow, on houses, on clothing, on buying and selling, on crime and punishment, on laws, on freedom, on reason and passion, on pain, on self-knowledge, on teaching, on friendship, on talking, on time, on good and evil, on prayer, on pleasure, on beauty, on religion, on death and the final farewell. Hmm. But it's like you said that this is a novel, though. Uh, I mean, it's I, I, it's a novel, but it's set up in this way where all the passages are kind of 
uh this is dialogue from from one person who's just kind of i guess you'd call it more of a philosophical work than than like a novel i think i maybe misspoke there it's fine yeah uh just speak correctly next time <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up i'm just i'm just calling you on your bullshit <laughs> Uh, so, but like the tone of the book is almost kind of biblical while not being so like, sometimes it reads like a Bible passage, but it's not like, you know, on focused on one religion. It's kind of just focused on like, um, uh, the common sense reminders on like how you should kind of view things and not, not being cynical and kind of, uh, I don't know. It, it, it was good, but let me, uh, I, I think I'd have to read a passage just to kind of give you a taste and you know since you're a married man let me uh let me drop some jabron knowledge from the section on marriage jabron give me marriage yeah <laughs> all right you taking notes yep uh let all right let there be spaces in your togetherness and let the winds of the heavens dance between you love one another but make not a bond of love let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls fill each other's cup but drink not from one cup Give one another of your bread, but eat not from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each one of you be alone, even as the strings of a lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts. And stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. So basically, <laughs> Jesus, don't get too clingy. Yeah, don't get too clingy. I don't know, man. It's like so. <laughs> like this is the reason why it's best selling, right? Yeah, and it's I mean, really I just had to, memory. I had to, I had to see what it's all about. You know, it's it's maxims for for daily life. And so the thing I wanted to talk about is that I've been on kind of like vacation mode for the last like almost month, where it's just mm -hmm. been we've had uh, a lot of visitors and work's been i mean work's been busy but i've been on vacation mode like whenever i'm not working because we've had you know mm -hmm. we've been hosting and stuff so haven't had a crazy amount of time to read so i wanted to give this this small kind of book a shot cool but yeah i definitely think that some people have probably grasped onto this especially if you kind of found this type of book at a pivotal time in your life Right. And many, many others have probably, you know, scoffed at it. I, th I think for me, when I read stuff like this, where it makes you think like a little critically about how you live your life. And I, I think there are better sections than that marriage one for sure. Uh, more interesting, like on um, like self-knowledge and stuff like that. But when I read stuff like that, I'm like, I'm like, damn, man, I'm trying. Like, I can't cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> All Dar these rules. Daria and I do eat the same loaf of bread, so we Dude, got, that's, we, that's we, fucked up. We've got some work to do. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Separate loaves. <laughs> Separate loaves. <laughs> do you drink from the same cup? Dude, that's disgusting. Uh, it's been known to happen. <laughs> I don't know. It's all... He was just saying, like, you know, don't, you know, you need to have your own separate lives at, at, at points or you'll go crazy. But anyways, uh, 
so this was a it was an interesting read uh, it was it, it you can read it extremely fast it was like uh an afternoon kind of mm -hmm. on the hammock it was it was nice i didn't That's take away nice. a ton from it but uh, hammock the, reading is uh we might have i think we once did our lists of where it's like great to read but hammock reading is peak oh yeah it's top it's top tier for sure it's mm -hmm. it's very nice on a nice summer day in the shade um yeah so i've got a once like i've got a one star review here because i don't I mean, have too much great to hear a one star review of this book <laughs> this like generalized life knowledge book and someone's like fuck it <laughs> uh, I'm going to paraphrase a review from user uh, Riju. I still haven't understood why so many people regard this pompous book so highly. Perhaps they have never watched any episodes of Star Trek, the best source of lessons of life with a dash <laughs> of excitement, yeah. or perhaps they desperately try to drown thousands, thousand plus years of religious intolerance and destruction with the droning voice of this book. Who knows? I'm merely a reader. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta check that other guy's reviews to see if he's <laughs> always just like saying like one star ca as captain kirk said <laughs> yeah it's uh it's noel from fraser <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like awesome. crime and punishment or whatever he's like you know this book this came out before star trek so they didn't know about the holodeck <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <That's> uh, awesome. <laughs> he just throws it in there <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check. Like, I got that's my homework for next episode now. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I I rushed through that one because I got a bonus mini mini shitty book report on something else I read while I was on you know my vacation mode. Min, mini shitty. Mini shitty. Um, it's a, a very short, but very cool read from Edgar Allan Poe. It's only like twenty pages or something. Mm -hmm. the the mask of the red death Ooh. Ooh, and it's very like covid adjacent kind of nice because it's like a, about a pandemic a plague so it's like a 10 minute read but it's a pretty Actually, cool piece so now that like we've all experienced covid maybe we should because i've read uh the plague by Camus. yeah and i didn't think it was that great but time to check it out again time yeah. to check it out again to see if it got if it if it's too real yeah so this one is not so much about the plague itself but just cool it's more about the atmosphere and the vibes cool. that poe sets because it's like a gothic horror description of everything and all that so there's a prince who's holed up in his abbey to avoid the plague of the red death, which is just wreaking havoc throughout the country. And it just makes people just like instantly die and like bleed from all their pores and stuff. It's mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, so he has this lavish masquerade ball planned. And he's got all these bunch of different rooms in the abbey and each room is decorated a different color. Uh, and so it's all in the description of everything, but I'm just going to borrow from a five-star review this time to summarize Ooh. the rest because this person, you know, did a good job. Um, so uh, I'll start it right now. Then who shows up, of course, but a figure dressed as the red, as a red death victim. So a red death victim kind of like costume mm -hmm. shows up to the party. And this is a, 
quote from the book, his vesture was dabbled in blood and his broad brow with all the features of the face was besprinkled with the scarlet horror. End quote. Prince Prospero becomes seriously pissed off at this figure because he's spoiling all the fun. Everyone is scared and freaked out. But when he confronts him, he sees that there's literally nothing behind the mask and he drops dead and soon everyone else does too. Hmm. Boom. Big time uh, Castlevania vibes from this story. <laughs> like <laughs> You imagined it all in 2D. Yeah, yeah. It's like a very <laughs> Castlevania. Cool. Definitely. And the music too and all that stuff. They put a lot of work in Castlevania and like the the decorations of yeah, the little details. About yeah, them. it's cool. Uh, so, I mean, it's all about the mood here. He just uses a lot of the story describing the rooms, but it pays off in the final room and the final image of the inevitable death. Nice. So, yeah, those are the two things I read. I'm looking forward to getting back to now that I got a new uh, a new stash of books in the hopper. Check out yeah. something different. For sure. Sweet. What do you got? All right. Well, actually, mine my book this week is a uh, a Goodwill haul. Okay. So that's at least it's not exactly the community book sale, but um, the thing that I and I think what drew me to this book is I think Goodwill, like old Goodwill books that have you know three price stickers on them and they cost a dollar or whatever what i believe like the vibes that i get from them are often like it's kind of like that whole thing of like the old kind of saying of like standing the test of time yeah so in a weird way like like having been a mass market paperback that has survived like generations of being pushed around you know whoever owned it you know was sitting in their house then it went to goodwill like it's kind of it's like a filter in a way yeah, it was sold to a bookstore, but then donated and then bought yeah. and then sold again. And yeah. Yeah. So in a weird way, like this was the perfect kind of book to find. And I think you'll understand what I'm talking about, like that whole filtering process. Because I think that that filtering process for stuff like that is almost like making the decision for you because you don't know like where to start. Um, and I didn't know where to start with. Um, Peter Straub. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So we had talked about him briefly, I think in the last episode or one of the last two episodes where it was like, we were talking that Straub uh, co-wrote the talisman Yeah, with Stephen King. And I've read the talisman. I enjoyed it. Um, but then it's like one of those things, like, where do you go from there? Like, what should I look up? So I've since read about him. And I've learned that another novel of his called Ghost Story would probably be the go-to, like, oh, that's like his classic, like the one, like the big one or whatever. But I didn't read Ghost Story. What I read is, uh, so The Talisman is, is written in 1984, and I read his book, Coco, 1988. Oh. I've heard about it's that's the K O K O right K O K O yeah, yeah I've re I've seen that one a fair amount and uh, I always wondered with the talisman like who wrote what you know yeah <laughs> some well, parts you can tell some parts you can definitely tell because it's like or you can definitely tell when it's King because he'll mm -hmm. throw some like 
extremely on the nose kingish stuff in there but i don't know like what what straub's contributions were or like well, I, it's, hard, it's hard to point out without reading something way, of his yeah it's good it would it is good to just kind of like read him because in a weird way i i'm gonna be very careful with this statement because <laughs> i've only read you know a few things uh, of his i've read the talisman and coco but in a weird way, I think like Straub is like one percent more legit. Like King is his okay. own brand, right? King is yep. his brand, and he does what he does over and over like a machine. Like he, and that's what you go to him for. And then through reading Coco, I was like, even though this isn't like some sort of like. I'm not having some sort of like revelation, like I'm reading, you know, Virginia Woolf or something, but he's like a good writer and possibly like a little bit more grounded than King in terms of like, I don't know. Okay. So I'll just go into Coco. Let me me ask, like, does it stray? Is it, is it not like, cliche horror kind of thing or like does it does it stray a little more like postmodern or well what at, do you least, mean? at least coco isn't and i think you'll understand exactly what i'm talking about when i describe like the plot of coco okay so i think in just like in a way like it's unfortunate like somebody like straub and i def i've actually already ordered some of his other books because i liked coco that much cool but um it's kind of like unfortunate and i would wonder if you could like get him like a few cocktails in or something if you could like get him to admit that like the idea that he's like he co-wrote with king and it's like that's like the guy who's like he's like stephen king right and it's like he's really (laughs) not he's not um at least not and i think he's also being kind of like he's in a category where it's like he write with stephen king and then he wins all these like fantasy awards, like Brom Stroker Award, yeah, yeah, you know, the World Fantasy Award and stuff like that. But I wonder if sometimes he like is like, I'm not Stephen King, <laughs> I'm <laughs> Peter Straub, you know. Um, so I'll just describe what Coco is, and I think you'll get that, like, yeah, like King wouldn't write that, um, kind of like all together. Okay, so Coco is the story of okay so the book opens up and it's like there's uh there's like a group a small group of vietnam veterans that were in the same you know platoon or whatever or Mm -hmm. like same unit and they are meeting up for like the one of the opening ceremonies of the vietnam war memorial so it's like they're go they're in washington dc and it's happening in 1980s so it's like you know like it's not like they're all texting each other or anything it's like i'm at the hotel and i'm gonna wait for my friends to get here and you know they're just looking at the wall and uh you know it's kind of like this holy shit nostalgic slash like i'm gonna go find my dead friends on the wall moment thing Mm And then you realize that, like, as they're getting their shit together and, like, meeting at the hotel and, like, he also, he definitely has that King quality of, like, you know how we always talk about how, like, you learn all the names and stuff? 
Yeah. So it's like the main character of Coco is Michael Poole and one of his best friends is Harry Beavers and the other main character is Connor Linklater and then Tina Pumo and his girlfriend Maggie Law. Like I know all their names because I (laughs) just read it. I just read it. So he's like, he's definitely similar in that way. Um, So the main character is this guy, Michael Poole. He is a doctor now like post Vietnam and he's like kind of has like a, shitty home life going on his son died of cancer also post vietnam and he's kind of just like in a haze like him and his wife are not like you know they're not close anymore and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and uh so these four these four guys get together and it's like yeah okay it's about like the memorial and finding our friends names and stuff like that but then it's also like they start like whipping out these like articles and like kind of it's pre it's like you're thrown into a middle of the moment where they've already discussed that there's somebody in Southeast Asia, like in um, Bangkok or something uh, in Thailand that is murdering people and he's murdering people in a way that is only familiar to their unit um, because they you like and this is like over the course of, by the way i'm going full spoilers like full okay <laughs> so i'm sorry if you want to read this but like the only way to talk about it i think is to go full-on spoilers because what i'm about to say is is like a third through the book you know mm-hmm. um so you kind of like slowly learn that they were one of those like units that went like bonkers on uh like a like a vc like village and like Mm -hmm. killed like a bunch of kids and like women and children Mm -hmm. and like everyone basically yeah you're massacre you're slowly finding that out and the what coco is is okay so there's this guy in southeast asia who's killing people and he's leaving like playing cards like in their mouths like he mutilates them and everything and like oh it's like a horror book in that way Mm -hmm. um but he like leaves these playing cards in their mouths that say coco and they're like no one really know like the people who are investigating this like string of you know serial murders are just like yeah coco or whatever but these guys you like learn that they had also like mutilated bodies like in vietnam and that's what they used to do they would leave like a cocoa card like so you're kind of like you're kind of thrown into these like characters where it's like you like michael and connor and harry is kind of an asshole but and you learn that he's actually like a huge asshole but at the end uh, at, at the same time it's like as you slowly find out about them it's like oh they like went nuts and they like had this like weird ritualistic thing where they would like cut off people's ears and stuff so that's like the kind of like thriller slash horror aspect now on wikipedia it says that in 1988 coco i mean in 1989 the year after it's published coco wins the world fantasy award and that's where i'm getting back into that idea of like that makes no sense like there is there's no fantasy in this book it's like people who went to vietnam so is it some supernatural thing that's that's no there's nothing <laughs> supernatural there's nothing supernatural that's, that's what i'm saying he's like yeah damn he's this, like pigeonholed he's put into this category where he's like hey guys i wrote this like novel about vietnam war vets and like and you know they're tracking down a serial killer they're like that's awesome bro 
it seems like you got to win the Dracula award this time. <laughs> Damn. <like>, what? <laughs> um, so Is it I because think- of, Huh? Maybe because of his earlier work. I think him maybe in that yeah, space. I, yeah. I think his like big his big novel that I'm like avoiding reading stuff because I want to read more is called literally called Ghost Story. So yeah. I want to have some fantasy elements. There was cool stuff in this book that I almost felt was because you know how we know about the connecting undercurrent of Dark Tower for Stephen King. Yeah. I did almost feel, I don't think he does. Now that I've read about him on Wikipedia, I don't think he does have an overworld or an underworld that connects all of his books. But there was some stuff in this book where I was like, oh, like maybe he has those connecting elements. Um, because there, there's like, you know, when it when it goes into the mind, there's like a few chapters where it goes into the mind of Coco like the the serial killer that they're trying to track down and like who is it from our past who's like doing this and mm-hmm. um it has some pretty like like minorly supernatural stuff like oh i saw a demon walking down the street or whatever but it's like those are not like it's not like concrete in the world like it's not like a fantasy novel it's like about a guy's like deranged visions mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, yeah i mean like- PTSD kind of yeah it's, stuff. it's definitely okay. a PTSD type of novel and stuff and they all have it in their own ways um there is some disconnecting stuff like there I could definitely see people being like for instance like one of the characters Harry Beavers is he was their lieutenant in the like war and it's like it doesn't like as you learn more about him and the horrible things that he did in the villages and like even the way that he acted towards them it's like there is some stuff where it's like I don't think that they would be hanging out with this guy. Like they take a trip. They all ultimately like go to Bangkok. Well, actually it's not ultimately the book starts out. Like they, they're going to go international and like try to find out what's going on over there. And it's like, I don't think that they would go back into Southeast Asia with this dude who was like a complete fucking monster. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there are like some disconnecting things like that, but overall, I mean, it's like a 600 page book that I read pretty quickly. Um, It was really good. Like I said, I was like at at the same idea that you were saying of like who writes what in the talisman, I think like when I was reading it and that's the sad thing, right? Like inevitably comparing him to Stephen King just because they co-wrote a book together, but two books. Two books, okay. Black, they did a uh, Black House after okay. the the sequel, the Talisman. Okay. Yeah, twenty years later. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I mean, comparing him to Stephen King is like you know maybe in some ways unfair, but yeah, I was like, he definitely writes very differently than him. He also like there was like weird little like I think in like within the first fifty pages, someone there was like a reference to someone had a dream where they were reading. Uh, the dead zone or something and i was like oh cool i was like okay bro <laughs> you're like getting it up to to your to your fellow um you know thriller novelist but yeah i mean it was awesome and like and it was one of those books too i was recently also visiting with family so i i've been keeping up with reading but you know this was 600 pages so this is all i have to show for it um, I thought it was good, but it was one of those things like, okay, so I was visiting with my family, right? And when I had like 50 pages left and it was really like climaxing, I was in a house with like, my sister has three kids and my mom, my stepdad is there. My uncle was like coming in and out. My wife what you're reading there. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
And so like when I was like in the final 50 pages, I was like, I said to Daria, I said to my wife, I was like, I'm going to lay in this bed. I'm putting on my noise blocking headphones <laughs> and no one is to disturb me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I needed to kind of like, you know, dial into the end, which that yeah. kind of seems like a good book, you know, like, yeah, you that's, know, good. that's a good sign. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, so that was good. And yeah, overall, I thought it was good. And it was, again, it was that perfect opportunity of like, I would never know what to read from him or even if he would like pop into my mind, except the fact that, that Goodwill filter just put him on the shelf right in front of me. And, you know, I got to pay $1 for a great, a great book. Um, and I'm, like I said, I auto, I already ordered other books. That that's another excellent sign. Yeah. So he's cool. I mean, there's other, like, I didn't, it, the, Wikipedia doesn't have, he doesn't have some crazy story about his life. You know, we don't have to like go into that. What's interesting. Another comparison between him and King is, uh, you know, how King famously in his older age got hit by a car. Yeah. And he writes that into the dark tower. Straub was hit by a car when he was seven years old. Damn. And, but he's not, um, he's not uh, handicapped in any way or anything, but he temporarily used a wheelchair. And he says that the accident made him prematurely aware of his own mortality. So maybe that's why he's writing, you know, ghost stories and stuff like that. I okay. think one of the most interesting things from his biography that relates back to Coco is that there is an area of Coco where they go back to, they go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, it doesn't sound like he appreciates his hometown. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like they go to milwaukee and then they go to a suburb of milwaukee and he's like it was it's like the way that he describes it is like it's so hellish like it's so <laughs> like it's like you know they go down into the valley where like the factories are like spitting fire and every other thing that looks like a house is also a bar and everyone is fucking miserable <laughs> like, oh my god um so it doesn't sound like he had too much love for his for his hometown, or maybe yeah, um, you know some other stuff. So yeah, I mean Coco, it's good, it's a thriller. You want to know who Coco is while you're reading it. There, you know, there's a few questions darting around, and good characters, and you know, there's a few passages in there that I think are definitely sort of like beyond the, um, you know, Kang doesn't get deep, you know. He doesn't yeah. like he doesn't go super deep. It's all about it's like it's like reading a movie, but or you know, in like in a blockbuster movie at that. But like Straub, you know, there was like there's one moment when they're in like uh the S Southeast Asia, I think they're in Bangkok still, and the main character, Michael Poole, has like this revelation while he's standing on a bridge, like over a shitty river filled with trash, and he's like, I wanna like not be, you know, an upper middle class doctor anymore for like kids i want to like go and like be you know work in underprivileged areas and like really like you know what am i fuck am i doing with my life and like he describes it really well like there's some there's some like deeper emotional undercurrents than the normal kind of like king so, yeah so um, i uh i just looked up peter Straub real quick just to see because i know i had a book by him and i think the one i have is floating dragon by 19, okay. 1982 have, have not read it though mm -hmm. but so you know how google gives you like suggested questions or whatever yeah 
So I looked, I, all I typed in was Peter Straub. And then the first one is what happened, Peter Straub. And it's talking about like when he got hit by a car. Mm -hmm. Number two, is Peter Straub a uh, Stephen King? <laughs> is Peter Straub, yeah, like a pen name? No, but like not even, it's a weird, weirdly phrased. Is Peter Straub a Stephen King? Is Peter Straub a Stephen King? A Stephen, like, yeah, like that's, that's, <laughs> that's the question there. So there you answer that for me. He's definitely um, not. <laughs> is Peter Straub still writing? Uh, yeah, I think looks so. like yes. He's published a bunch, of, and he also has published like a bunch of. He's done like short story collections, novellas as early as twenty, as uh, yeah. recently as twenty seventeen. He's done actually poetry too, which is like, okay. I, don't, I don't give a shit about poems, but and then all the other questions are about Stephen King. <laughs> like, how much is Stephen King worth? That's what I'm saying, dude. We gotta like, we gotta get this guy like in an off the record conversation, and then he'll spill the beans. Yeah. <laughs> anyway so i got a one-star review of coco obviously i liked it um i thought it was cool and you know the perfect kind of also like you know you've you know like i went back to connecticut it's like it's connecticut it's in the summer i'm like on the beach like you can't get better than this shit man like it's you know same thing with stephen king you can't get better than going back to your hometown and sitting down with a bold beat-up copy of stephen king come on yeah <laughs> and and you know it's been a disservice in this podcast that I've said Stephen King maybe as many times as I've said Peter Stroud, but I guess that's the curse. Yeah. That's the curse of his life. That's the next book he should write. <laughs> a writer who's like desperately trying to sue. Yeah. And he'll win the Frankenstein's monster award for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I have one star review on Goodreads from user Kate. She says, does it mention Stephen King? No. Oh, man. Which is, which is good. Uh, Kate says, I know I tried to read this book. It had something to do with the Vietnam War, but I never found out what Coco meant, and I couldn't shake the idea that it was about a gorilla. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. There's no gorillas mentioned. Yep. It doesn't even have to do with, gorilla, with uh, gorillas. It actually has to do with Babar the elephant, if you're curious. Okay. If I can stoke your curiosity further. That is... That's weird. Okay. <laughs> it may be weird, but it's true. Okay. I liked Bad Bar growing up. Well, then you're going to be a fucked up murderer. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah, sounds good. I'm yeah, glad it was one good. of us. Uh, Straub. You know, I'm on the Straub train. Yeah, new author territory. That's cool. New author. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Shitty Book Reports. Uh, you can find us whenever we feel like recording this podcast um, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter, and Stitcher. We're most active on Twitter, probably. That's where we mm -hmm. release the episodes. And uh, you can also email us, sbrthepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, give us your comments, corrections, suggestions, whatever you're feeling. And good night. All right. Bye. <laughs>